Welcome to Series 2 of Depollution from Salvage Wire. In this podcast, we interview interesting and inspiring leaders to discuss issues that are facing the vehicle salvage and vehicle recycling industries, along with other leaders who can challenge and inspire the industry. In this episode, we welcome Mike Monaghan of Automotivate. Mike is a business leader and influencer and has been working with automotive repair industry for many years, specialising in leadership and development, and specifically mindfulness and mindset. In this podcast, you will hear his unique insights into helping employees perform at their best and especially their mental well-being. This discussion is a must for all industry leaders and managers. So let's get straight into our conversation. Mike, thank you so much for taking the time to be part of the podcast this morning. Um, just as we start, can we do a bit of an introduction about yourself, your career, who you've worked for and who you currently work for and what you do? So Andy, I've got to start by obviously thanking you for the opportunity as well to, to do this podcast with you. Um, I mean, the subject in itself is, is was always important. And wow, is it ever more important these days that there's just there's never been a more acute time for for covering this subject matter. So, oh, so my background. Um, well, I started like many of us. Um, as a 16-year-old apprentice with Jaguar Land Rover. Um, I've been in the industry now 46 years. Um, I served my apprenticeship. I went on to then own my own garages and body shops. So I had three garages and three body shops throughout the 80s. And then um, I learned even an awful lot, Andy, during that time, is to just that sort of maybe 10 years of understanding the, the nuances of, of, of the industry um, from, from my apprenticeship right the way through to owning my own businesses. But um, that culminated in 1988 with me founding an organisation called the Motor Vehicle Repairers Association. Um, and for 25 years of my life, that became my life was helping garages and body shops be the best they can be with technical support, legal support, debt recovery, um, all sorts. But the, I think the key thing that MVRA was remembered for, Andy, was it was the founding pioneer of introducing standards for the collision repair industry. Um, and we had 18 insurance companies who supported us on that journey. We had 11 car manufacturers. Um, and it was, it was an incredibly exciting time. And it, I mean, just not to go on too long uh, in answering the question, but it was an incredible time. It was one where the, you know, I was a young kid that was just tired of seeing garages and body shops repairing vehicles that I wouldn't trust to fix a bloody wheelbarrow. Um, and... So it, it was that passion, I think, that, that created the, the birth of MVRA. Um, and what it did for me, which I, will be, I was blessed and will be forever grateful for, was that it parachuted me around the world. Mm. Um, we created this, this incredible thing in the UK and suddenly I found myself 
speaking or working and collaborating in 26 different countries around the world because the car is a global product mm. insurance is a global product mm. so it was an exciting time so that was my background um so 46 years in the industry i wouldn't change a day of it um <clears throat> and never will until they put the lid down this is the world and i wouldn't change it for the world yeah so you now run Automotivate. So what does Automotivate do and what benefits does it bring to the automotive industry? So Automotivate was born, uh, Andy, from, from a premise of, of spending all of those years in the industry, seeing every facet of it, as you say, from whether it was from collision repair to salvage to insurance, you know, to be essentially forget product processes and systems <clears throat> it's driven by people mm. and what i witnessed in all that i'd experienced is you can buy the best equipment you can have the best systems the best processes but it is still a people-driven business if the people don't come in with the right attitudes or the right behaviors i don't care if you've got the best systems and products in the world you won't get the best out of them if the people aren't engaged. So <clears throat> as the years evolved, Andy, the one thing that kept coming back to this default message was, are we getting the best we can out of our people? <clears throat> we seem to always be happy to train them in the technical aspects of the job, but we never trained and developed their capacity, their potential. Um, it was always, you know, well, we need you to work longer, harder and faster. Um, and, and, I, and you could see the collateral damage and the effects. You know, people, those dark corners where people huddle in the corner and think the bosses haven't got a clue or they're not attached to the real world. And, and you saw all of those little nuances taking place on a daily basis. Mm. And the doubt and the mistrust over the leadership or the management or the guidance, you know, seem to be more and more fractured. So um, when I sort of returned, well, I suppose I stepped back a little bit. So for a number of years, I worked and lived in the US. Um, and during that time, as I think as we know, excluding what's happened in recent days, but it's we, we, the, the US does tend to have that more upbeat, go get them, you know, <clears throat> motivational beliefs, you know, that, you know, anything is possible. Um, so I was surrounded by that and people like that for many years. So I became actively interested about 10 years ago in psychology, cognitive behavioral techniques, uh, high performance mindset development and so on and so forth. <clears throat> so I started to study and read uh, all the books on psychology and cognitive behavior. Uh, I then got involved with a group of people who were involved in sports sciences and sports mm -hmm. psychology, which is always a, a great analogy. And, and there are some great parallels that we can learn from, from sport, uh, even how we apply it to our industry. But that became a real fascination <clears throat> and a real passion. Um, 
which almost, I mean, I think the passion was always there because I'd witnessed what I'd witnessed. But then the, that overriding urge to say, I've, I've got to do something with this new information. Um, because we, we seem as an industry to inch or scratch our way forward. You know, satisfy ourselves that we're a dynamic industry and we're creative and this. And I'm sat living in it for 46 years thinking, no, we're not. You know, <clears throat> which is, we're, we're not. I'm sorry. You know, I, I think we like to think that because it's good for our egos and it's good to satisfy our, our, our behaviors. But the truth is, you know, we've so much we can learn from other sectors and other industries. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that that was one of the keys. So uh, the forming of Automotivate was when I came back from the US um, due to daughter saying, hey, dad, you're going to be a, a grandparent. My wife went, tickets booked home. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it was just, and, and no regrets whatsoever. But it was, um, but it, I was left in this peculiar void Andy, where he said, okay, I've had a lifetime in the industry. I could go and just be a consultant like, like every other consultant. Um, and but what was my new role? What was my new destination? Um, how? And I, I don't want this to sound trite, Andy, but, but I'm a natural giver. So it's how do I give back to an industry that I, that I absolutely love? Um, and then I started to think about how we can help the people have a better day. How do you have a better day? When you've got all the challenges that our industry throws at you, you know, fine margins, lots of complexity, you know, no two days ever really being the same. You know, how, how do you keep an optimum performance in your human resource? How do you keep that energy and that motivation? And, and I'm not talking about how we pacify ourselves and through banter. I'm talking about a mental, physical change in our behavioral style. Um, so I took all my research. I worked with a number and collaborated with a number of key people in the industry who specialize in this sector and started develop, to develop material that I think I could utilize and interpret in a way that the industry would accept. And... Andy, I, I smile as I say this because when I first started this three years ago, and I hope you can just forgive me a slight intrusion on, on, on language, but it was it was because when I started to talk to people, it's bloody hell, Mike, I've known you all these years. What's that pink and fluffy shit you're on about? You know, <laughs> it was just it was just that, and you're going, Oh, this is gonna be an uphill struggle. Um, but more and more you started to engage with people realizing that this was a very real issue. And it was almost like the missing part that we, we felt because we were big, strong, hairy men that we didn't have to, you know, look at this. And, and in fairness, Andy, if there was ever a life lesson learned that what we have experienced in the last 12 months with COVID and the yeah. lockdown, and the impacts it's had on our mental health, our physical health, our endurance, our stamina, our resilience, it's become front, center, and real. 
Mm. Um, and we're never, we're never going to go back. This is here now. It, it, it has forced an entire industry to change the way it thinks, to change the way it sees the world. So the final part of the answer, I think, Andy, will be that in, in any market, there's always the pioneers. There's always the ones who are willing to take a risk, to see things differently, the ones that look for that, that edge. Um, so I was very grateful and blessed and lucky um, that a number of the leading collision repair groups like, like names that I'm sure are familiar in, in the collision industry, um, Halo, Vela Group, you know, um, people like Pronto Group and very so the, the, the leading independent groups um, sort of took a chance on me and took a chance on it. Yeah. And sort of said, Mike, you know, we can we do something with this? So, you know, I was grateful that they, they took a chance on this. I developed course content materials to support it. Um, and, and we both took a chance on each other. Um, the results off the charts, absolutely off the charts, the feedback, the improvements. Um, and as of probably by the end of next week, I will have had in excess of a thousand delegates go through the mindset course. So, you know, and it's making a tangible impact in people's lives as, as well as the impact they then go on to have within the business. So, yeah, so it's been amazing. Great. Amazing. So can you outline sort of what you do on the mindset course? What <clears> sort of what sort of areas are you looking at? Yeah, the, 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 some of the key things, and this is probably a less easy to explain, but what I try to do is, is to help people understand that throughout our evolution, and it's, try, it's trying to paint a great picture that shows them that, that our evolution as, as a species, as mankind, um, we are hardwired as a species to see the negative first. So when you think about our, our evolution and living in a cave and everything else, everything outside the cave was bigger, hairier and scarier than we were. So we are essentially driven from a fear perspective. So it's all about self-protection first. So we're hardwired to see the negative first, to, to protect our comfort zone. And it's learning how the brain is wired and how you can combat negative thinking. And not through this old cliche of glass half full, glass half empty. Um, it's not a bad analogy, but it's not an accurate one. Um, because your feelings and your moods can be changed in a nanosecond. So it's how do you build up the systems and the structures and the processes within you to define that resilience and that focus so that when something negative happens during your day, that it doesn't defeat you, that it doesn't send you in this sinking trajectory of thinking that the world is against you. How do you build up that mental pathway and that resilience? So it talks about our history, our evolution. We do cover some of the science. We talk about the, the working parts of the brain and how it works. And that's important so that 
people understand, you have to understand what's going on in order to control what's going on. So we talk a little about the brain and the science and neural pathways in, in a fun and lighthearted way, but it still gets the message across as to how you can change habits and behaviors and motivations. So it covers all that. And then it goes into the practical side of giving you tools and information and guidance on how to cope, whatever the circumstances. <clears throat> so it, it's, it's very intense. Um, essentially, the course was originally a three-day course. You did two days back-to-back, -back and then day three was six weeks later. So you could do some of the, the task management and homework. But I knew that was going to be difficult to, to, to get out into the market from day one. So I took the core elements of the course and created a one-day mindset development course. Um, and that's been highly successful um, because it, it gives hopefully enough content to allow you to check with that information from day one, but moreover to inspire you to believe that, wow, I've, I've been given this foundational knowledge base and toolkit that I can now take forward. I can... Mm my own personal self I can read I can study I can I can get excited by what my true potential mm. is mm. so that's that's the foundation of the course Andy amazing and aimed at what level of of person within within his <clears throat> managers is his leaders or anybody right that's a great question when this started um, and I'm going to be really honest with, with you and with, and with your listeners. And when this started, there is the natural, and I'm going to get shot for this, but there is the natural entrepreneurial genius of, of a business owner, the one that creates, that has that high level of ambition and resilience. So they immediately thought this was not for them. They were way beyond it. So what they then did was that they would ask their management team to go on it. Um, and the managers loved it. And the managers immediately said, I wish the bloody boss had gone on it. <laughs> which, only, which only proved the, this disconnect between perception and reality. Um, so the management went on it. But then the minute the management went on it, they said, our front of house really need to go on this. The front of house said, our technicians need to go on this. You know, so it was, it, it was a, a waterfall and the, it, it just cascaded all the way down because at the end of the day, it's just for people. Yeah. It's not about salary or title or status. It gives you an insight into human performance development, whatever age you are, or whatever experience you've got. We can all learn something new and we can all learn something more about ourselves. So you've 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 set up the program, you've set up the mindset. Yeah. Uh, and obviously you've you've worked this through with yeah, potentially almost now a thousand delegates. Yeah. What sort of responses have you seen? What 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 has come out of this that has just been a, 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 a major success <clears throat> major success uh, has been multiple um the 
one that I think must stand out for, first and foremost is the ability for those individuals to transition what they learn daily into the business. So their performance, the things that would normally beat them, that became an argument, that became a debate or a discussion, was gone. We went from seeing the negative and how to defend it into a capability mindset. What if we do this? What if we do that? So if you radiate that out, Andy, time management was improved. Human performance was improved. Efficiency was improved. Throughput efficiency was improved. And if you wanted to really radiate that all the way through, although I don't know how many have actually done the physical measure, but you could tangibly equate the changes in human performance to a, to a dollar or a pound if you chose to do it. You can see through increases in productivity and efficiency are directly attributable to mindset. If, I, if I'm not feeling at my best, how, how do I ever give my best? Therefore, my performance level drops. And, and another important element, I mean, not to be overlooked, is and without going too wide on the subject, is, is the self-same. If you don't prepare yourself mentally first thing in the morning that you're going to have a great day, you know, and you think your day is going to be the same as yesterday, which wasn't such a good day, you can't start at your best. And, and if more things happen to challenge you during the day, your, your performance, your human performance is already in decline. So setting yourself up in the morning mentally by telling yourself this is the best day and how awesome you're going to be and how incredible you can be. And that whatever challenges are given you are seen not to defeat you, but to overwhelm you, but actually given you as a challenge that says, I'm going to show how good I am. Let's really prove, let's, let's as a team, let's show what we can do, what are true capable. And that raises the performance. So it raises the it raises the energy, it raises, raises the engagement, you know, right across the board. So, so the effects, I think that what maybe, I suppose, which, whichever analogy, that he, if the course wasn't successful for the individuals or the business, the, the, there would be no chance of them booking another course. Yeah. But every yeah. single client I've got that's booked one course books the second and the third and the fourth and keeps going. So. Now, now, just just rewinding just slightly, you mentioned about setting yourself up for the day, uh, yeah. and and just getting that that mindset for the day you're going to have a good day. Can you give any advice to people who are listening, who who maybe you know just want to take a little bit of something from this and just say, right, what do I do every morning? What's that routine every morning to 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 motivate myself and to give me that 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 positive mindset? Simple way that, and I do this during the class, so simple way, imagine that your mind is a taxi. Mm -hmm. Okay, so London black cab, okay, that's your mind. <clears throat> Would you ever get in a cab and tell him to take you to happiness if you didn't know where happiness was? So the same thing with the cab. If you get in that cab and you're not sure how you want to feel, you're not sure how you want your day to be, with clarity, absolute clarity, and you're ready to get in that cab, 
then that taxi driver is going to say, okay, I'll, t- I'll take you to all these different places until you tell me where you feel happiest. So then he's going to show you the houses, he's going to show you the tower, he's going to show you the, it, everything. You know, he's going to show you St. Paul's, he's going to do all And you're going to have to decide along that journey when you're happy. Okay, and that's when you're going to pay the bill and you're going to get out of the cab. Hmm. But then you're going to have to get in another cab and go back. And that's very expensive and you're not sure. So happiness starts from inside you. It's how you think. So how, you, how happy you want to be is determined by what's going on in your mind. Mm. So the taxi analogy is before you get in the taxi, before you incur any cost or start on any journey, you have to decide for yourself how you want that day to be. And if there is any lingering doubts in your mind, any doubt at all that you're not looking forward to the day, you're fearful of the day, you're wondering what the day is going to throw at you, work on that. Work on that. Because if you do the standard typical, got up a bit late, you know, skipped breakfast, jumped in the car, went to work, that is not going to set you up for a good day. You know, it just won't. So just visualize the mind as a taxi driver is one way to do it. Uh, very quickly, Andy, if, if, if time's permitting, a second one that I use, it's, it's a bit more difficult to illustrate verbally, but I, what we can do, and this is an interesting one, we are the only species on the planet, you know, that has the gift of imagination, mm. you know, and we can use that imagination. So one of the illustrations I use is, is to imagine a tree, and, and a tree grows from its roots, not from its top. So the roots, I always say the roots of the tree are your belief system. It's what you believe to be true. It's what you believe happiness looks like. So that's your belief system. We have to work incredibly hard on our belief system. Once we know that we we really believe we're going to have a great day and, and I've got the skills, the capability, and I'm looking forward to it, <clears throat> that's your belief system. Your belief systems then activate a series of mental and neural pathways that are become become your mindset conditioning. It's the conditions that you are going to set yourself in order for you to have a great day. So once you've done the beliefs and the conditioning, you then move to the trunk of the tree, which is your attitudinal resilience. You've already told yourself, I am going to have an awesome day. And here's the conditions I'm going to set. I'm going to be nutrated. I'm going to be hydrated. I'm going to be motivated. I'm going to be ready for the day. Now my attitude says, if anybody tries to break me or bend me, you're going to have a hard job because I am absolutely rooted, grounded, and solid in my attitudinal beliefs. Once I get that, then it goes out to the branches of the tree. And the branches are how I feel. So if I feel great, you know, and my attitude is determined and focused and resilient, then I start to feel great. As a result of feeling great, when we look at a tree and we see this enormous green canopy, this radiating 
beautiful oak tree or chestnut tree or something like that. When we radiate that type of behavior because I feel great, then my behaviors reflect it. I'm not moping, I'm not slouching, I'm not mm, grunting and you know, all these things. I behave great. As a result, that impacts others. And others go, you know, why is he having such a good day? I want to work with him. I don't want to work with misery guts, you know. And we've all got these cliches, misery finds friends fast. It does. But it then takes us straight down to the negative. Whereas actually there is something very human about us that we actually want to be happy and we want to feel light and positive and engaged. But we can only do it if we're attracted to the light to those who are radiating brilliance, yeah. you know, so that that aura um, becomes so powerful that that's, that's how you then infect. <clears throat> that's amazing. That's amazing. Now, <clears throat> you know, do, does faith have an impact in this? Have you seen anything around, around this, around, around people's faith? Does that have an impact as well? Oh, that's a powerful question, Andy. Um, I think faith is a belief. Mm. That's all it is, mm. you know. And and it's I. Do you know something? I don't care what your faith is. If your faith is the thing that moves you, then amen. Yeah. You know, it really is. It is whatever you know excites you energizes you motivates you you can call it what you want but it is ultimately your faith and your faith is your belief so if it is your belief that makes you move forward i say brilliant give, give it whatever title you want love it love it now <clears throat> many listeners to the podcast are leaders and managers and owners what advice can you give them about understanding their workers' health and identifying those that are, are, are suffering at the moment? Oh, Andy, great, great question. Um, and if we had so much time, I would, I would spend so long on this subject. Here, here's what I, I think is important to mention uh, for your listeners. You've got to think about human behavior in this way and, and all of our history. So we have these things um, called, <clears throat> essentially called casual acceptances. So a casual acceptance is, I say to somebody in the morning, morning, how are you feeling? Oh, great, top of the morning, brilliant. You know, it's not the truth. It's not the, we say it because it's actually, it's what we call a conditioned response. You know, I better say this. I think I better say that. It's not how I'm feeling inside. So whilst we move at such a speed in business and in our lives, and we're always busy and we've always got a lot to think about. If somebody says, no, I'm great, you know, fantastic, you know, another day in paradise, <clears throat> all of this sort of phrasing, then I can either choose to accept it and move on and we can carry out a million surveys of our staff, you know, where, you know, how well you're feeling or we send newsletters or we sell well done things. And all these. your moods and your feelings are so fluid. You know, the fact that you did a survey last month on all of your staff is irrelevant to how they feel today. <clears throat> so we can't just, you know, 
pacify ourselves that I did something yesterday. Now, nor am I saying you have to do it all day, every day. What I am saying is you have to be critically aware and find a methodology for your staff to, to do it. And there are some great apps in, in, in the market right now. And I'm working with one company at the moment that has such an app. And, and it's, it takes less than, less than a minute a day for every single member of staff to just click on a few key, very critical questions that's done through some very, very sophisticated algorithms that helps you track and monitor the, you know, your staff's performance and they for themselves. You know, so it, it helps them because we don't always understand neural sciences. Mm. So <clears throat> the fact that you can actually use somebody else's incredible talent to just answer a few key, key questions and it starts to give you some analysis that something may be changing that you are not yet acutely aware of is powerful. So, you know, I think in terms of managing people, it's the, one of the hardest things in the world. So for a lot of businesses, and that and the, goes back to why did I come into this? Because yeah. I have witnessed this. It, yeah. it, it's almost a case of we, we, you know, we always want this. We have these levels of expectation. We have to produce a certain mm -hmm. financial output. So we work longer, harder and faster. And if somebody's not willing to work longer and harder and faster, we question their loyalty. And, and you're, going, you're looking in the wrong place. So I think there's there's a lot to be learned in management today. We we have trained our managers and our staff to incredible levels of technical competency, but we've never trained them to understand human behaviour enough in how to get the best out of the people they manage. Mm. So in general, how would how would you rate the management and leadership in the automotive industry at the moment on a sort of a scale of one to ten? Yeah, with one being poor and ten being being brilliant. I could get myself shot here, couldn't I? <laughs> <laughs> you know, here comes the career ending moment, but it is <laughs> hey, Andy, I, I play with the straight bat, I always have. So I'll answer the question and then give you the explanation. Um six at best mm -hmm. and and probably less um and that to justify that answer is not a case of how good we are or aren't it's an indication of how good we could be, could be yeah. um and that's the key <clears throat> in everything that i said we we We've taught our people to be technically great. We, we expect enormous things of them. Um, and we have all these peculiar situations. If somebody finishes at five o'clock or they're supposed to finish at five, you know, and if they've got the coat on at five to five, we start to judge them. We start to criticize them. He's not committed to the cause and this, that and the other. Is that fair? Is that reasonable? Or is it actually that something else is wrong? If, if we expect somebody to do more every single day of the week, and, and forgive me, Andy, if I just, one thing I, I use on my course as an analogy to this is because it comes from sport, sporting psychology. In sport, you've got 90 minutes, let's say football, 90 minutes to achieve a certain objective. Now, 
Occasionally, it goes to extra time in penalties, but that's very rare. The objective is to complete it. So yet in business, we almost think it's expected that we should expect our staff to play the extra 30 minutes and then go to penalties every day. Mm. That, that can't and should never happen. So what we should, we should be looking at is if this is what we should achieve in a certain time and it's not happening, we should be looking back at what's causing the dysfunction, not expecting people to give more. Because that then changes the mental anxiety, the stress, you know, I should be finishing, I'm going to get a rollicking from the wife when I get home, the dog, you know, you're teasing the dog and all the rest of it. it. You know, it's got implications, which then further compound how the individual starts to feel about their working day. So it, it's massively interconnected. So I don't think we're anywhere near good enough because we focused on the technical elements and not the human performance elements the soft skills, and I, think, and I think that's our undoing. So it's not how bad we are, how, it's how good we could be. Could be yeah. <clears throat> and I, I love that thought about how good we could be. Um, and that's something that you've done over your working life. You've held a number of different positions and you've obviously not sat back and rested on your successes. What drives you to continuously move forward, to grow your knowledge, your skills, your influence? Wow. Uh, many things, I suppose. I, I, I love this industry. Mm. I absolutely love this industry sure. and everything and everybody in it. And, yeah. and may, maybe, I, you know, I'm biased or, or naive. I've not worked in, in any other industry, but I absolutely love this industry and its, it's potential and its capabilities, you know, and we could be so much better. So that is my motivation is, is, is I'm never, never satisfied that I'm the complete thing. I mean, I truly do keep my ego in check, you know, um, and very much in my back pocket. I'm, I'm an avid reader and I'm, I'm an avid learner. And I suppose maybe if I, if I do some very quick self-analysis, I mean, I didn't have in my apprenticeship days a really strong mentor or coach or something, you know. So, you know, council estate kid, you know, and, you know, not with the best of education. So the one thing my mum got me, which was brilliant, was a library ticket. You know, so, you know, I could get books. And that was the only way I was going to change my life. You know, and and that's still true today. You know, um, I read at least a book a week on average. You know, um, on some subject or or other. You know, so you know, always hungry to learn, always hungry to develop, and then always hungry and passionate to share that learning with others because it is a brilliant industry. <laughs> <clears throat> so what's the best book or can you name the best book that you've read in the last sort of six to 12 months oh they're, they're all good they're all good. and 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 you know i'm not being flippant with that remark the thing is something when when you ask that by the way sometimes i can pick a book up and just get three pages that inspire me and go 
that's brilliant. Mm. That, that means it's a good book. Yeah. Even if I only got three pages that did something for me. Um, very quick. At the moment, I'm reading Barack Obama's latest book called mm -hmm. The Promised Land. Mm -hmm. And when you look at what he did, what he endured, how he, so that's a brilliant book. Um, um, as a motorcycle fanatic, you know, I'm reading Shady Burns' latest, you know, book. Um, but on the, the other side, I think a couple of good books that I would recommend to your listeners. There's one by a, a gentleman called Simon Sinek. Um, he's got many books out there, but this one's called, it's called Start With Why. So Simon Sinek, Start With Why, is a great starting place. Um, and another one which is good is by a gentleman called Professor Stephen Peters, um, called The Chimp Paradox. Mm. Uh, and The Chimp Paradox is a great way to understand the, the simple workings of the human mind. Um, and how powerful it is and, and what it can do um, in, in our journey of personal self-development. So start with why is, is, I think is a great starting point for anybody. Um, and then the chimp paradox is another good one. Um, but my stock answer, Andy, I don't care what you read, even if it's a dictionary, yeah. just freaking read it. Yeah, that's it. No, I've... I've read a couple of good ones as well, and Simon Sinek is 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 one of one of my favourites as well. So yeah, yeah the leaders eat last or any of those. That's it. That's it. Um, so you are obviously respected, effective leader. Is there any advice you can give to young and aspiring leaders who want to grow and develop their leadership skills? Or, in other words, what would the current Mike say to the twenty-two-year-old Mike? What you put in, you get out. You know, don't ever, ever, don't ever doubt what your starting place is. Like I say, I was a, a very poorly educated council estate secondary school kid, but I had a passion and a belief. And if you've got the passion and belief, you know, just the more you put in, the more effort you put in, the more you will get out. But you, what you can't be, Andy, is a passenger. Mm. You can't wait for it to happen. Change happens from inside you. You cannot wait for the world to change to make your life better. You have to change. Brilliant. That's amazing. Um, and one final question, and this is one that we ask of every guest on our podcast. What was your first car? And do you have any special memories of that car? My first car was a 1965 Ford Anglia 105A with vacuum-assisted wipers, which any, anybody younger than 60 would not know. And uh, so that was my, and one of the first things I did, I remember, was to cut the middle out of the book, front and rear bumpers, you know, and to paint them black so it looked like something like an RS Escort, <laughs> although it was nothing like an RS Escort. <laughs> um, it had holes in the wings and everything else. And then that was my first car, but I have to very quickly follow it up with my second. My second was a Mark III Ford Zodiac because I thought that was a better, mag uh, a better magnet for pulling the babes. <laughs> 
And I knew the bench seat would come in useful at some point. So there you go. Oh, love it. We, love we're it. not going any further with that. Oh, don't have to. Don't have to. Don't have to. Mike, that has been absolutely amazing. Thank you so much for taking the time. And, you know, one of the benefits for me for doing this podcast is I get, you know, 30 or 40 minutes of completely free of charge consultation. Uh, and, and I learned so much from this sort of this sort of stuff. That has been so good. Thank you. Thank you very much for your time. Yeah, Andy, it's been an absolute joy and a pleasure. And, and I hope your your listeners get something from it as well. Thank you. That was amazing. A big thank you to Mike for his time and his knowledge. You will find details on how to contact Automotivate in the show notes for this episode. Our next podcast is with Tom Rumble, recently appointed CEO of Cinetic. So don't forget to subscribe. And please take the time to like and share this podcast with your friends and colleagues and give us a rating. Thank you and we'll see you on the next podcast. Thank you.